Letter eleven of Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five, by Samuel Richardson. Letter eleven. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire, Monday, June fifth. I am now almost in despair of succeeding with this charming frost-piece, by love or gentleness. A copy of the draughts, as I told thee, has been sent to Captain Tomlinson, and that by a special messenger. Engrossments are proceeding with. I have been again at the Commons. Should in all probability have procured a license by Mallory's means, had not Mallory's friend, the proctor, been suddenly sent for to Chestnut to make an old lady's will. Pritchard has told me by word of mouth, though my charmer saw him not all that was necessary for her to know in the letter my lord wrote, which I could not show her, and taken my directions about the estates to be made over to me on my nuptials. Yet with all these favourable appearances, no conceding moment to be found, no improvable tenderness to be raised. But never, I believe, was there so true, so delicate a modesty in the human mind, as in that of this lady, and this has been my security all along, and, in spite of Miss Howe's advice to her, will be so still, since— if her delicacy be a fault, she can no more overcome it than I can my aversion to matrimony. Habit, habit, Jack, seest thou not, may subject us both to weaknesses. And should she not have charity for me, as I have for her? Twice, indeed, with rapture, which once she called rude, did I salute her, and each time resenting the freedom did she retire, though, to do her justice, she favoured me again with her presence at my first entreaty, and took no notice of the cause of her withdrawing. Is it policy to show so open a resentment for innocent liberties which, in her situation, she must so soon forgive? Yet the woman who resents not initiatory freedoms must be lost, for love is an encroacher, love never goes backward, love is always aspiring, always must aspire, nothing but the highest act of love can satisfy an indulged love. And what advantages has a lover who values not breaking the peace over his mistress who is solicitous to keep it? I have now at this instant wrought myself up for the dozenth time to a half-resolution. A thousand agreeable things I have to say to her. She is in the dining-room, just gone up. She always expects me when there. High displeasure, followed by an abrupt departure. I sat down by her. I took both her hands in mine. I would have it so. All gentle my voice. Her father mentioned with respect. Her mother with reverence. Even her brother amicably spoken of. I never thought I could have wished so ardently, as I told her I did wish, for a reconciliation with her family. A sweet and grateful flush then overspread her fair face. A gentle sigh now and then heaved her handkerchief. I perfectly longed to hear from Captain Tomlinson. It was impossible for the uncle to find fault with the draft of the settlements. I would not, however, be understood by sending them down, that I intended to put in her uncle's power to delay my happy day. When, when was it to be? I would hasten again to the commons, and would not return without the license. The lawn I proposed to retire to, as soon as the happy ceremony was over. This day, and that day, I proposed. It was time enough to name the day when the settlements were completed, and the license obtained. Happy should she be, could the kind Captain Tomlinson obtain her uncle's presence privately. A good hint. It may perhaps be improved upon, either for a delay or a pacifier. No new delays, for heaven's sake, I besought her and reproached her gently for the past. Name but the day, an early day, I hoped it would be, in the following week, that I might hail its approach and number the tardy hours. My cheek reclined on her shoulder, kissing her hands by turns. 
rather bashfully than angrily reluctant her hand sought to be withdrawn her shoulder avoiding my reclined cheek apparently loath and more loath to quarrel with me her downcast eye confessing more than her lips can utter now surely thought i is my time to try if she can forgive a still bolder freedom than i had ever yet taken i then gave her struggling hands liberty i put one arm round her waist i imprinted a kiss on her sweet lip with a be quiet only and an averted face as if she feared another encouraged by so gentle a repulse the tenderest things i said and then with my other hand drew aside the handkerchief that concealed the beauty of beauties and pressed with my burning lips the most charming breast that ever my ravished eyes beheld a very contrary passion to that which gave her bosom so delightful a swell immediately took place she struggled out of my encircling arms with indignation i detained her reluctant hand let me go said she i see there's no keeping terms with you base encroacher is this the design of your flattering speeches far as matters have gone i will for ever renounce you you have an odious heart let me go i tell you i was forced to obey and she flung from me repeating base and adding flattering encroacher in vain have i urged by dorcas for the promised favour of dining with her she would not dine at all she could not but why makes she every inch of her person thus sacred so near the time too that she must suppose that all will be my own by deed of purchase and settlement she has read no doubt of the art of the eastern monarchs who sequester themselves from the eyes of their subjects in order to excite their adoration when upon some solemn occasions they think fit to appear in public but let me ask thee belford whether on these solemn occasions the preceding cavalcade here a great officer and there a great minister with their satellites and glaring equipages do not prepare the eyes of the wandering beholders by degrees to bear the blaze of canopied majesty what though but an ugly old man perhaps himself yet glittering in the collected riches of his vast empire and should not my beloved for her own sake descend by degrees from goddesshood into humanity if it be pride that restrains her ought not that pride to be punished if as in the eastern emperors it be art as well as pride art is what she of all women need not use if shame what a shame to be ashamed to communicate to her adorer's sight the most admirable of her personal graces let me perish belford if i would not forgo the brightest diadem in the world for the pleasure of seeing a twin loveless at each charming breast drawing from it his first sustenance the pious task for physical reasons continued for one month and no more i now methinks behold this most charming of women in this sweet office her conscious eye now dropped on one now on the other with a sigh of maternal tenderness and then raised up to my delighted eye full of wishes for the sake of the pretty varlets and for her own sake that i would deign to legitimate that i would condescend to put on the nuptial fetters End of letter eleven.